When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 33 years. Wow! I'm so excited for today's guest. He's my favorite sports writer at the LA Times. His name is Dylan Hernandez. He recently wrote an article about Dodger Freddie Freeman and his loyalty to the Atlanta Braves versus his loyalty to the Dodgers. Oh, my God, did this article spark so much controversy. Clayton Kershaw had to calm things down, but I just love how Dylan works on a story to show us a side we would not consider on the surface. We need people like Dylan Hernandez in our life. And it made me think, you know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, and my world of surgery. We need people like Dylan Hernandez to dig deep and show us another dimension. So where in my lifetime do I see people who went deeper, went into a different dimension to show us the underbelly of the story, the story that we really need to see that we would otherwise not appreciate. Well, in the 50s, the revolutionary man, the writer who wanted to write about racism and real social issues, Rod Serling, decided he would write science fiction because America in the 50s did not want to hear about black versus white, particularly in the South. Sponsors Coca-Cola from Atlanta would pull their ads. Couldn't talk about racism. So Rod Serling said, well, then I'll do it. Instead of talking about a black man being abused, I'll make it a Martian then they won't get upset. They'll think I'm talking about outer space. But secretly, he's teaching us, showing us that underbelly of America in the world of art. Listen to the theme he came up with. Listen to him telling you, using science fiction. But he's going to talk about bigger topics. 
There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Wait till you hear this interview that he has with Mike Wallace. He's going deeper into the story of life. What about in the world of sports? The first man to no longer call Cassius Clay, Cassius Clay, but to actually call him by the name he wants to be called, Muhammad Ali. The racism in this country, those sports writers were not going to do what Muhammad Ali wanted, except one man, Howard Cohn, who changed his name to Cosell. And in 1967, Howard Cosell sits down right away with Muhammad Ali to keep his name in the limelight when, when Muhammad Ali is now denied the ability to box because he refused to fight in the Vietnam War. Howard Cosell kept Muhammad Ali current even though society wanted to sweep him under the rug. Howard Cosell sits down with Muhammad Ali. Here's a little bit of the interview. A year ago this month, at 4800 San Jacinto in Houston, Texas, this man refused to take a step. For the past year, he's been virtually incarcerated in this country. He's undergone all of this for the obvious reason that he didn't have the courage to fight such as Joe Fraser, Jerry Quarry, and Jimmy you, Ellis. Why would you say that <laughs> I didn't have the courage to fight uh, Joe Frazier and, and Jimmy Ellis and Jerry Quarry? I mean, why you'll hear you this interview from 1968, and you'll hear them box literally verbally back and forth because there's a love and there's a respect between Howard Cosell and Muhammad Ali. He's willing to go and stick his neck out, Howard Cosell, to tell the story that no one else wants to tell, just like Rod Serling. And I can give you an example in my world of surgery. Those implants that we use, titanium, cobalt chrome, plastic, the hip replacements, knee replacements, shoulder replacements, there's a lot of money to be made by those companies. But it took an orthopedic surgeon a few years back named John Callahan to write an article about trouble one of them was having. I didn't use that implant, but a lot of people did. And he had the courage to come forward and say, this is not a good one. This is not one. It's like a car, the Edsel. This car ain't good. He put his neck on the line to tell a story that nobody else in medicine was going to tell in my world of orthopedic surgery. It's awesome when we get to be saved, get to be taught by people like Dylan Hernandez, willing to tell a story, the side of the story that we otherwise wouldn't hear. So at 8.15, he's calling in, and I just cannot wait to talk to him about his philosophy and his technique and where it all comes from. 
His name is Dylan. I'm fascinated. I wonder if he's named after Bob Dylan. I can't wait to ask him. Don't let me forget, Wilbur, to ask him that. What a week I had. Sunday was my birthday. I turned 65 years old. Can you imagine? And I had, without a doubt, the greatest day of my life. Got up at 345. I couldn't wait to start the day. Started almost close to midnight. Wanted to have the whole day. And I went surfing. And after I surfed with my buddies, with Scott and Ed, we had happy birthday hats on. It was awesome. But after the session, I went to have a donut at Good Time Donuts. And Sue made a donut birthday cake for me. A gigantic glazed donut, as big as my head. And she put inside Cool Whip and strawberries. You'll see a picture of it on Twitter. Oh, my God. It's at Dr. Robert Clapper if you want to see pictures of it. But the ultimate, I spend a lot of great time after surfing with my family. And then where am I going to have dinner? And I wanted to have dinner at a place that would be appropriate for me to come on the air today. That's relatable to today's topic, food. Well, my last meal on earth is going to be veal parmesan. It's just that simple. It's an easy one for me. And I've searched high and low. New York, Italy, all over this great country of ours for the best veal parmesan that I've ever had. Well, guess what? It lives here in Los Angeles. Well, what does veal parmesan have to do with today's topic, you may ask? Everything. Because guess what? The greatest place. And it ain't cheap. It's very expensive, but worth it because it's my birthday. The best veal parmesan I have ever had, and there's a picture of it on Twitter, oh my God, is actually not made by Italians. That's right. It's made by a man from Croatia. He's not even Italian. But his veal parmesan, I don't know how they make that red sauce. I don't know where the meat comes from. But it's from a restaurant that's been in L.A. for decades. And I mean decades. And I will tell you, if my mouth doesn't keep watering, where that is a little later in the show. But let's get into a little bit of the sound bites of what I want to talk about today. Listen to... Mike Wallace interviewing Rod Serling, the man who created the Twilight Zone, about this whole idea of going deeper than the blockade that society, employers, sponsors, the audience, they actually have for going deeper. Patty Chayefsky has talked about the insidious influence of what he calls pre-censorship. How does that work? Uh, pre-censorship is a practice, I think, of most television writers. I can't speak for all of them. This is the prior knowledge of the writer of those areas which are difficult to try to get through. And so a writer will shy away from writing those things which he knows he's going to have trouble with on the sponsorial or an agency level. We practice it all the time. We just do not write those themes which, you know are going, which we know are going to get into trouble. Pre-censorship. Wow. There's certain topics you're not allowed to talk about. Who's the culprit? Is it the network, 
The sponsor? It sure is not the FCC. No, it's certainly not the FCC, ideally speaking, of course. It's a combination of culprits in this case, Mike. It's partly network. It's principally agency and sponsor. In many ways, I think it's the audience themselves. Yes, and that's what we're going to learn today. What a topic in sports, in art, in surgery. It's the audience itself. That's why we need Dylan Hernandez to change the way we look at things, to teach us what's the underbelly of the story. So excited. Did you watch the Dodger game last night? Did you watch Trace Thompson? I'm sitting watching the game with my wife. He's catching every ball running into the stands. He's hitting home runs. He's saving the day for the Dodgers. Trace Thompson. I texted Michael Thompson right after the game was over. I just want you to know, Michael Thompson, we are all so proud and happy for you and your family. Trace Thompson is saving the day. This is almost like Clay Thompson playing for the Lakers. That's how I feel about it. But it leads me to Clapper vision. Thank God Trace Thompson is healthy. But there's another superstar in this town who's my favorite baseball player, Mike Trout. And he has an injury. They blew it up to say this is potentially career-ending. It's not career-ending. Everybody has to calm down. But it's a fascinating area that's super confusing. Costo-fertebral dysfunction. Oy vey! What exactly is that, Dr. Clapper? We need a Clapper vision. We can't even pronounce what the hell Mike Trout has. It just hurts to say the word, let alone having the condition. But boy, is it fascinating because this really zeroes in on the engineer who made our bodies. And whether you believe in God or not, it's miraculous. Go ahead and touch your chest right now. Touch those ribs of yours. Careful to keep your hand on the wheel with your other hand. But go ahead and press on your sternum, the breastbone, right in front. Now swing over to feel where your nipple is. Right under that is your rib cage. Well, those ribs, if you follow them, go all the way behind you. That's right. The rib attaches to the sternum, your breastbone, in the front. But Mike Trout's injury comes from the attachment of the rib to your spine. Now, how does the rib lock in to the spine? Here's a clapper vision. Look at that car of yours. Look at that windshield. You've got a windshield wiper. Go ahead and clean your windshield right now. By the way, this is how we can tell how many weekend warriors are listening in their car right now because everybody all at runs on the count of three. Go ahead and clean your windshield. Ready? One, two, three. Now look around you. See if someone's doing it right now. They're listening to Dr. Clapper on the Weekend Warrior Show on the highway. But think of your rib as your windshield wiper. Think of the hinge that attaches the windshield wiper to your car. That's the joint we're talking about. But what if the joint that connected the rib to your windshield didn't sit on the car, and didn't sit on the windshield. What if the connection of the windshield wiper was halfway 
on the windshield and halfway bolted into the car. That's exactly how your rib attaches to the spine. It's ingenious. It attaches to the halfway point, to the disc, where the two vertebral bodies meet, the two different bones meet. That's the disc. Remember I talk about the Oreo cookie. The bone is the cookie. The disc is the cream filling. Well, that windshield wiper, your rib, attaches to both cookies and the cream filling. Right in the middle of that attachment is the disc. And that's where the back spasms come from. That's where the irritation comes from. But it's also the perfect place to attach that rib. And when you have costovertebral dysfunction, there's a joint there and it's inflamed. And when you swing a bat and do all the things that a baseball player does, especially Mike Trout, better than anybody else, you can get irritation there. So there's a clap revision. We'll get more of it as the show goes on. The number is 877-710-ESPN. We'll take a break, come back with some unbelievable stories about going deeper into the twilight zone of art, sports, and surgery right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show, Monday morning on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? (laughs) Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. This is Grace Jones singing a song about today's topic. Sometimes the hunter gets captured by the game. Sometimes it's not what you think. It's the opposite of what you think. And my guest at 815, Dylan Hernandez from the LA Times, is an expert in teaching us what's the opposite of what we think. We think somebody's loyal. They actually may not be so loyal. He knows how to dig deeper to get the story. And in life, whether it's sports, whether it's art, whether it's surgery, whether it's food, it is really great 
to have someone open your eyes and see a different side to the story. Dr. Ranawat taught me, remember, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. We need people to teach us, then our eyes see things differently. Muhammad Ali changed his name from Cassius Marcellus Clay. Why do you think Marcellus Wiley's name is Marcellus? He's named after Cassius Marcellus Clay. But Muhammad Ali one day realized, I don't want that name anymore. That's a slave name. My name's now going to be Muhammad Ali. And by the way, I got nothing against the Viet Cong. I'm not fighting in that Vietnam War. Well, you can't do that in the 60s as a black man in America. So they said, okay, we're going to throw you in jail, and you're not allowed to fight. Howard Cosell, who had his own issues, being a lawyer, trying to get into the broadcasting business. Oh, my God. Listen to what they said in the New York Times of the obituary when Howard Cosell passed away in 1995 at the age of 77. He entered sports broadcasting in the mid-50s when style was unabashed adulation. You were a sports writer. All you did was say how great everybody was. And he offered a brassy counterpoint that was first ridiculed, then copied until it became the dominant note of sports broadcasting. That's why he's the first to say, all right, if you believe so strongly that your name is now Muhammad Ali, then that's what I will call you, even though the other sports writers won't. And you don't want to fight in the Vietnam War? And people want to sweep you under the rug? Guess what, Muhammad Ali? We're going to go on ABC Sports, and I'm going to interview you. And I want you to listen carefully to the banter between, this is from 1968, between Howard Cosell and Muhammad Ali. Under the surface is a beautiful relationship of love and respect. And they know, each of them know how to get under the other guy's skin. But they also know that there's something more important going on. Because as much as you want to fight with me, Howard Cosell, and belittle me, you're still calling me Muhammad Ali, and you're also interviewing me when I'm not supposed to be fighting. When the other sports writers are saying, yeah, I'm not fighting in Vietnam because I don't want to box anymore because I'm afraid. No. Here we go, back to 1968. A year ago this month, at 4800 San Jacinto in Houston, Texas, this man refused to take a step. For the past year, he's been virtually incarcerated in this country. He's undergone all of this for the obvious reason that he didn't have the courage to fight such as Joe Fraser, Jerry Quarry, and Jimmy you, Ellis. Why would you say that? I didn't have the courage <laughs> to fight uh, Joe Frazier and, and Jimmy Ellis and Jerry Quarry. I mean, why would you say that? I mean, you know, I've never showed no fear of nobody. And why would you, uh, as many times as you have came to my fights, knowing you had money bet on other people, I beat them. <laughs> I mean, why would you, seriously, I mean, why would you sit here on television and, and talk about 
uh, me being a Fred or Jerry Carver or Joe Frazier. I mean, that's wrong. I mean, yeah. we just don't get along no kind of way. <laughs> we just don't get along. Yes, you do. I can see right through that, Muhammad Ali. And you've been spreading that kind of gospel at every college <laughs> campus every in this college country. I go to, every college that I go to, everybody asks me about Howard Cosell. <laughs> Why is it that you and Howard Cosell can't get along? And my answer is we just don't get along. I mean, you just talk a lot of stuff that don't make sense. I mean, why would you open up the show and uh, uh, you told me you were going to ask me a few nice questions. Why would you open up a show talking about I'm afraid of Joe Frazier and Jerry Quarry? You really believe that they have a chance against me? Yes, because that was what the story was in the newspapers, that he shied away from the Vietnam War because he didn't want to fight big fighters. Are you kidding me? Well, I think you come to all of my fights. You follow me all over the world, Germany, London, Canada, and while and 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 you, I see you at ringside talking about these homemade champions. Now, do you really believe they could beat me? I'll answer that question in a moment. I first want to document your record. You were troubled by a less than mediocre southpaw named Mildenberger in Germany. You showed me nothing against Chevalo relying upon the fact that he gave you water on the knees with low blow up. You never seen me hurt or beat. What you mean I didn't show you nothing? That's, that's, that's the kind of appreciation I get from you, from you coming all over the world. The, the company wouldn't pay your way to these countries for nothing. I, if I wasn't fighting so regular, you wouldn't have gotten to see the world. And now you're going to down me because I'm not fighting and talk about uh, I, I got trouble with these boys. I beat those boys easy. <laughs> now, wait a minute. This marvelous wristwatch. What were you frightened of? I wasn't going to hit you. Why did you move? I mean, why would you jump over here? Uh, because I want the people to see the wristwatch that oh. you bought in Frankfurt, West Germany. Yeah. Only because, only because I found the person who'd sell it to you more cheaply than anybody else in the whole country. Do you believe that? He's trying to show, I love you, Muhammad Ali. I even got you a deal on a wristwatch. He's Muhammad Ali. If I was a jeweler, I would be giving it to him. Well, for once you, but well, after all, I mean, what's you getting me a deal on a watch? If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have got to see Germany. <laughs> all right, my record is clear. And I, I will shuffle again. Don't you worry. You get your homemade champions ready and line them all up. I'll be watching the television with you at ringside, popping off about how hard he hits and this and that. You let Ellis and Quarry fight it out, and then let Joe Frazier meet the winner or whoever the uh, homemade champion is, or I may say the. Mickey Mouse title. Oh, now he's becoming Muhammad Ali. The Mickey Mouse title. Uh, I have a belt at home. Says world heavyweight champion. And for a man to be the champion, he's going to have to take my belt. And the day that he meet me, and if he beat me, I'm going to hand him my belt. And I want you to be the announcer that night because I want to see you quiet. And shut you up. I want to quiet you at once and for all. Ah, you son of a gun, you've had enough fun with me. You know that the one guy who has persistently right. maintained that there is one heavyweight champion in this world is Howard Cosell. And I have said repeatedly that You're you could right. beat all You're of right, these but guys. you make a lot of cracks. I mean, you just said I had a lot of trouble with these boys. and You're talking about me getting out of boxing in time to duck Frazier and this and that. And I don't know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You don't look as broke as you're supposed to be. <laughs> you know, what you mean, broke? Huh? Everybody says you're broke. You got no money. You gave it all to uh, Elijah Muhammad. No, how could I give it to Elijah Muhammad? <laughs> I mean, the government, the American government, took 90% of, of all of my money before I got it. You know that local sponsoring group had that deal called the Joe Lewis Tax Law. The very fact that this interview has taken place when he's supposed to be 
put away. Quiet. Don't talk about changing your name. Don't talk about the Vietnam War. Howard Cosell put his neck out there to bring Muhammad Ali forward. And here in this last soundbite, you can feel the love. You can feel the respect that these two men have for each other. Dylan Hernandez loves the Dodgers. He loves everything about the Dodgers. And that's why he writes an article about Freddie Freeman, because it's the Dodgers that he loves. In every one of his articles, it's the same thing. Here we are, 1968. Howard Cosell, Muhammad Ali. Fact of the matter is, the thing you've missed most over the past year were the steady vocal sparring sessions that we enjoyed on Wide World of Sports. Well, we had a lot of fun, but uh, let's let the other boys have a chance and build some more contenders. After beating Zoe Foley, you know, no one was left for me to fight. So I think even if I was still fighting, it would have been good for me to step aside for two years and let them fight it out to see who deserves the honor to fight me. It's been fun. We've missed it. Well, things make it better soon. One, one more shuffle. Well, if I do the shuffle, you might have to scuffle. <laughs> We've done that, too. Good luck to you. Thank you. Yeah, there's love there between them. But I want to play another soundbite of Howard Cosell towards the end of his career when he realizes boxing is a problem. It's dangerous. People die. And the regulation of it, Howard Cosell had a problem with. So he walks away from having anything to do with the sport that made him who he was. He has a conscience, Howard Cosell. Here he is with Joan Rivers. First of all, a man who shouldn't have been allowed to fight his opponent was killed, Ku Kim, by Bum Bum Mancini. Subsequent to that, a boy who was very dear to me, Alexis Aguayo, was almost killed, lay prostrate for three minutes on the canvas when knocked out by a man named Aaron Pryor at a time when, in my opinion, Alexis Aguayo should no longer be fighting. Subsequent to that, I had to call a fight, and I made up my mind during that fight because it wasn't a fight, it was a mugging, that I had had quite enough. I had spent long years of my life testifying before, before various committees in the House and the Senate about boxing. I could never change it. The three networks want it, cable wants it, and the sports writers quite obviously want it. And, Confronted by that unholy alliance, I made my decision that I didn't want any part of it, and I'm proud of it. I think it's a terrible thing, what no. goes on in boxing in America. Can you imagine? He then goes up against everybody else to try to eliminate boxing as a sport because of its danger. The very sport that made him. Who does that? People with a conscience do that. People that we need in our society to show us something that we don't see with our own eyes. The great Howard Cosell, the great Rod Serling, Dylan Hernandez. Coming up next, you're going to hear what Rod Serling really was trying to do in the Twilight Zone. I'll explain. And the number is 877-710-ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. And don't miss Mason in Ireland back Monday at 1 on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Roberto Claperio, a fish tacologist. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I know the ins and outs of a fish taco. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Tell me lies. Great idea, Wilbert. What a good show for this crazy topic. Every Saturday it's a crazy topic, but I love it. Because to me, you can connect the dots in those worlds that I love of surgery, art, sports, and food. You can connect those dots. And today we're going to connect the dots because my guest is Dylan Hernandez, my favorite L.A. Times writer who gets us to, to think about a different perspective, a different way of looking at life. He opens our eyes. But he comes from a long line of people in our lives who did that. And in the world of art, it was this man, Rod Serling. Listen to this interview with him of why he went into science fiction. Because he felt the censors wouldn't bother him if he talked about Martians versus talking about racism of black versus white. How did it all start for Rod Serling in the early days of tele- television in the 50s, becoming a writer? This is fascinating. Way back in 1951, when television was just a baby, a young man sat in the Cincinnati diner with his wife and came to a momentous decision. He decided to give up the security of his job and take a chance in becoming a freelance television writer. Rod, first of all, let me ask you this. What was it that brought that decision about? Was it a burning desire to write because you felt that you had to say something or was it just a way to make more money? Hmm. The combination of many things, Mike, the immediate motive at the time, the prodding thing that pushed me into it was that I'd been writing for a Cincinnati television station as a staff writer, uh-huh. which is a particularly dreamless occupation composed of doing commercials, even making up uh, uh, letters of... Uh, what do they call it, uh, to plug a product. Somebody has used it. Testimonial? Testimonial yeah. letters. Testimonials. Listen to this. Uh, there, I, as I recall, there was a, uh, a drug, a liquid drug on the market at the time that uh, could cure everything from arthritis to a fractured pelvis. And I actually had to write testimonial letters. And on that particular day, I just had it. And though I had been freelancing concurrent with the staff job, the best year I'd ever had, I think we netted about $700, which is hardly even grocery money. Yep. And that one night, we just decided to you know, sink or swim and go into it. He could not take it anymore. This is what being a writer was? You had to write dummy letters saying some drug was cure-all? He couldn't do it. So you, went, you came here to New York? Uh, not immediately. We stayed on six months, I guess, in Ohio, then came to New York. Uh, Started principally in Lux Video Theater, then live and half hour emanating from New York. 
I did 11 shows for them, and I was sort of on my way from I that see. point on. And what kind of stuff did you write? Because you said that it wasn't just the money, it was something that you wanted to say that you weren't getting a chance to say in Cincinnati. Well, in those days, uh, Lux Video, as one show, was doing reasonably adult stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, these, of course, were not Playhouse 90s, nor were they award-winning shows, but they were reasonably mature things. But now start to listen to him defend his ability to fight the censors. That even today stand up pretty well. And uh, I was doing Lux Video, Craft Theater, the early so-called pioneer days of television, which of course are hardly pioneer, but anything over eight years old is pioneer style in television. You've come a long way since those early days. And perhaps more than any other writer, your name is figured in the classic battle of the, that is television writer, uh, the battle of the writer to be his own man. What happens when a writer like yourself writes something that he really believes in for that, television? That's the key question. Listen to his answer now. I, I'm not sure I understand the question, Mike. What happens, you mean, in terms of... Well, we hear a lot about censorship of the writer on TV. We've oh, heard I see a good deal it. about it in your own case, especially. Well, depending, of course, on the thematic treatment you're using, if you have the temerity to try to dramatize a theme that involves any particular social controversy currently extant, then you're in deep trouble. For instance? Uh, a racial theme, for example. My the case in point, I think, uh, a show I did for the Steel Hour some years ago, three years ago, called Noon on Doomsday, yeah. which was uh, a story which purported to tell what was the aftermath of the alleged kidnapping in Mississippi of the Tillboy. Yeah. Who happened to be black. And I wrote the script using black and white uh, initially. Then it was changed uh, to suggest an unnamed foreigner. Then the locale was moved from the south to, the, to New England. And I'm convinced they'd have gone up to Alaska or the North Pole if, and using Eskimos as a possible minority, except I suppose the costume problem was of sufficient severity not to attempt it. But it became a lukewarm, vitiated, emasculated kind of show. You went along with it, though? All the way. I protested. I went down fighting, as most television writers do, yeah. thinking in a strange, oblique, philosophical way that better say something than nothing. But listen, when he says Coca-Cola pulled their ads, their sponsorship, because they're from Atlanta, you're not going to talk about black and white with us sponsoring your show. Amazing. In this particular show, though, by the time they had finished taking Coca-Cola bottles off the set because the sponsor claimed that this had southern connotations, suggesting to what depth they went to make this a clean, antiseptically, rigidly uh, acceptable show, uh, why it bore no relationship at all to what we had purported to say initially. Well, but you know what? He still persisted, only he used Martians instead of people to tell that story of racism. Patty Chayefsky has talked about the insidious influence of what he calls pre-censorship. How does that work? Uh, pre-censorship is a practice, I think, of most television writers. I can't speak for all of them. This is the prior knowledge of the writer of those areas which are difficult to try to get through. And so a writer will shy away from writing those things which he knows he's going to have trouble with on a sponsorial or an agency level. We practice it all the time. We just do not write those themes. Which, you know are going, which we know are going to get into trouble. And this is where I find fascinating, and I can't wait to ask Dylan Hernandez about it. Maybe it's the newspaper that wants to censor you. Maybe it's the ads or the sponsors who write the check that want to censor you. But to Rod Serling, it also may be the audience, us, that want to censor you. It's fascinating. 
Who's the culprit? Is it the network, the sponsor? It sure is not the FCC. No, it's certainly not the FCC, ideally speaking, of course. It's a combination of culprits in this case, Mike. It's partly network, it's principally agency and sponsor. In many ways, I think it's the audience themselves. Wow, that's amazing. Fascinating subject of being able to tell us a story that we don't otherwise want to see or hear or can't appreciate. That's the value of a writer like Dylan Hernandez, like Rod Serling, and like Howard Cosell. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The clinic will be open. Let's do some clap revision. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Soon to be a major motion picture. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Without a good hip, you ain't hopping, that's for sure. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Dirty laundry, the Eagles. It's exactly right. That's what we usually get on the 6 o'clock news. They got an agenda. They ain't necessarily interested in telling us the whole story. The Eagles went after them with that song. I love it. All right, the lines are lit up. Let's first go to Lee. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. First of all, happy belated birthday to you. Thank We're you. We're the same age. Oh, <laughs> I love it. What do you do for a living? Getting old. We're getting old. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, What do you do for a living, Lee? Uh, I'm unemployed right now. I worked in radio for 30 years. Get out of um, here. And I, I just, I just want to comment. Your show is the best. I mean, can I do my Joe Cipriano for you? <laughs> in a world of in, in a world of infomercials on Saturday morning, <laughs> Doctor Clapper is the man. I mean, you just bring it all together, man. You bring sports and entertainment and medical knowledge together, and it's all seamless. And you got a great sense of humor, and you likes to eat. You love eating. You, Thank I mean, you. This is it. This is it. You're 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 the best on Saturdays and Sundays too. Sometimes I appreciate that, Lee. Thank you very much, particularly coming from someone no. who knows the business because I have no idea what I'm doing, but I can't say that anymore after 12 years. Why not try to connect the dots of everything in life, right? I believe it. Yeah. I, well, that's what you have an engineer there for, right? You that's exactly right. I love the Don Henley song. Let me quickly, you know, about seven years ago, I was coming out in the morning at 2 in the morning, and I sprained my ankle. I was getting a bottle of water, mm -hmm. and I've had problems with my left ankle before a couple of times with sprains, but this one, it just blew up, and we went to uh, uh, the medical center over in Carson, mm -hmm. and they said, okay, we're going to do surgery. In fact, they wanted to do surgery that day. Oh, my God. And they did the MRI. They did the X-ray. I talked to my surgeon. He comes up to me. He's got his little reading glasses on with a little clipboard, and he stops about 15 feet from me. He goes, "Ooh, I smell the nicotine on you, and it looks like uh, you've had diabetes here in the past. Now, this is the funny part. He shoves his reading glasses up over his head, looks at me in the eye, and says, now, don't get me wrong. I love to cut on people, but I think we should send you up to the orthopedics because I might end up taking off your leg. And they oh casted it up, 
and it didn't set properly. And for six months or so, I was really reticent about like running and doing sprints. But after that, I said, I got to figure out if this thing, I mean, and there's a bump out the right side of my left ankle. It's, it's pretty prominent or whatever. Lately, I'm having some tinges and whatever like that, but I can do wind sprints on it hmm. and I'm fine and hmm. I don't worry about it. I'm just asking you basically, is there anything, there's nothing that can be done because it's set improperly. Correct. So are you telling me it was a fracture or you sprained your ankle? No, it was a double fracture, actually, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, the secret, the key is what ultimately does the joint space look like after all this period of time? We have terminology that we use when a bone breaks. When it comes together perfectly, we call it it's united, okay? The, the word united, that the two pieces became one again. But we then have other terms. One of them is a non-union, where a person breaks a bone and it never comes together. That's a non-union. We have to go back in, take bone from other areas as a bone graft, and actually put it in the gap where the two bones or the two pieces didn't come together as one. That's for a non-union. Well, here's another term malunion that the bone actually the two pieces came together but they came together not the way they would before it's almost like doing here's a clapper vision doing a jigsaw puzzle and you're convinced that these two pieces belong together except mm -hmm. the puzzle says no so you can try your best to put those pieces and that one locks into the other and you're just so and now you take your brute strength and you push that son of a gun piece but it's still sticking out a little bit guess what that ain't the right two pieces to put together well that bump in the jigsaw puzzle pieces where you're forcing them with your finger trust me Jigsaw puzzles are not designed for brute force. They need to kiss and fit perfectly. Well, when the pieces are not put back exactly the way they were before they broke, you will get a bump, and that's what you have. You have a jigsaw puzzle where two pieces have been told to come together, but they actually are not supposed to be together. But the bump doesn't matter. It really doesn't. What matters is is what the joint space looks like. So you need someone, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. You need someone who knows what they're doing and not someone who's afraid of your smoking and your diabetes. You need someone who's done it before, been there before, and to some extent I'm happy that this guy chickened out, but they probably should have sent you to the right person at that time uh, to fix it. But you know what? It depends. It depends on what the x-ray and the joint looks like. So you have a pencil? I'm going to give you a couple of names. You're going to okay. need to go to Cedars, where I've been for 33 years, and get the opinion of a foot and ankle surgeon of what the future is going to be like for you. You're 65 just like me. you got some time left. Why deal with a mystery and not know what's really going on? Because the bump in the bone don't, don't bother me. It's what it's going to do ultimately to the joint pain swelling stiffness that's right. the whole different story and do not let anybody give you cortisone shots or stem cells for ten thousand dollars or prp or synvis no, no needles no, going into no. the joint be holistic i and listen I, I listen to you i okay. listen to you all the time and i understand those are bad things those are we bad things that. stay the hell away from that 
up until maybe, you know, a couple of months ago, I, there's no pain. I'm pressing on the bump right now. There is no pain. Great. I can walk. Great. I can run. I can do everything I need to do. Great. But it's the tingling is starting to get to me. And maybe that's just a, a diabetes side thing or whatever. It could be, but information. What you have to do. Lee, information empowers us. And that's all I'm sending you. I ain't sending you for surgery right now. I'm sending you for someone where the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. So I'll give you a couple of names. A couple of weeks ago, we had Tim Charlton on the uh, on the line, a foot and ankle surgeon that I love at Cedars. Max Mahalski, he's been a guest. And the elder statesman is David Thordeson. You're not in a rush. You should call David Thordeson. You'll have to wait a few months. Tell him you're Dr. Clapper's cousin, and the girl will probably say, you know, Dr. Clapper's got a lot of cousins. But you tell him. <laughs> That's how you'll get to the front of the line, maybe. But go see David Thordeson. I would trust anything those three guys would say. But he's the he's the big kahuna, David Thordeson. Go see him at Cedars. And I would love you to call me back and let me know what becomes of this. We're just looking for information. Nobody's touching you without my blessings. How's that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you guys take Medi-Cal over there? We take all kinds of things. You'll figure it out. Listen, you okay. need information, okay. and you know what that is? Priceless. So go ahead and get some Priceless. information. All right, Thank Lee? Thank you, my man. And you're thanks, the best. Thanks Absolutely for the kind the words. I appreciate it. Listen, you're a total stranger for me. You go find a total stranger today. You do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. You got it. All right, God it. bless you, take Lee. Care. All right, we got time. We got time for some more. Let's go one more. Let's take Rich. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? You there, Rich? Oh. Oh, Nancy. Go. Uh, yes, this is Nancy. I'm Richard's wife. He All called right. for me. All right. What a nice husband. How many years you married? Uh, 36. Wow. I remember being in my office, and there's this elderly <laughs> couple. I looked at him and I said, how many years you been married? Because every time he would say something, she would give the answer. It was like ridiculous. It was amazing. I said, how many years you guys married? He says, 62 years. I said, oh, my God. How do you say married for 62 years to the same person? So immediately the man looks at me and goes, love. That's what he says. Love. He looks at me with her in the room. And then I looked at uh -huh. the wife and I said, hey, how do you stay married to this guy for 62 years? You know what she says? She looks at me and goes, Dr. Clapper, space. <laughs> you got to have your own bathroom, your own space. I, don't, I can yes. live with him, but I don't want to live with him that close. That's the answer to that one. So what a like beautiful that. thing. That we got rich, but Nancy's talking. I love it. This is like a Jewish couple. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Nancy, how young are you? What do you do for a living? Um, I'm 67. I'm a retired teacher. I taught uh, kindergarten and oh, first grade for 36 years. God, but you do not have to find a total stranger and do something nice for them. You already spent your whole life doing <laughs> that. So how can it's my honor and pleasure always to take care of a nurse. And to take care of the ultimate person in our society is a teacher. So you got me in your Thank back you. pocket. How can I help you? Um, well, I have a torn meniscus in my left knee. Good. I, um, 60, 67 years I, old. I don't want yeah. anybody operating on you. I don't want anybody giving you any shots. Even though it's not a great meniscus, it's what you've got. It's a cushion. And if you tell me. Dr. Clabber, I can't straighten my knee all the way. I can't bend it all the way. That That's different. Then I will arthroscope you and tell you to have an arthroscopy. But if you have full range of motion, you've had plenty of blisters in your life. 
You know what happens when you have a blister and you rub the blister? It becomes a callus. Is a callus a healed blister? No, but it doesn't hurt anymore. So tell me when your pain started. How long ago? Well, I've had it for over a year. Okay, years a long time. Do you have full range of motion? Yes, but I can't put weight on it. Okay. I have had an MRI on it. All right, read to me the MRI. Read it slowly. Go to the impression. Read it slowly so I can interrupt you. Right, go right to the impression. Okay. Well, and I apologize for not pronouncing some words correctly. Don't be silly. Don't be silly. <laughs> you don't have um, to apologize. There is no evidence for a joint effusion. So there's no there swelling. A- so that means that it's like getting poked in the eye. There is no swelling effusion due to inflammation. I love that. Keep going. There is a popliteal cyst. Okay, so popliteal cyst, the popliteus tendon is on the little toe side of the joint, the lateral side of the joint, and you can have a fluid collection there. Sometimes it fills up and becomes a baker cyst. No one's sticking a needle into it. No one's doing surgery for that. Leave it the hell alone. It's not like a breast cyst, which could be cancer. It's none of that. It's a benign entity. Leave it alone. Go ahead. Okay. There is abnormal signal intensity and irregularity of the anterior horn and body of the lateral meniscus suggestive of a tear sagittal sagittal so you're a 67 year old woman signal changes means altacocoritis you're when you're 22 years old you don't have signal changes in an mri like you do in a 67 year old so you are going to recognize just pinch the back of your hand You'll wait for a half an hour for your skin to flatten. When you're 22, it snaps back into place. Those signal changes is the drying out of your meniscus. You're not having anybody touch that meniscus to do surgery. Go ahead. There is abnormal signal intensity and irregularity of the posterior horn of the medial meniscus. So the other one, same thing. You got some altacocoritis in that meniscus, but nothing urgent. Go ahead. Uh, there is high-grade cartilage loss along uh, the lateral femoral That's why you're having pain. You've got arthritis. Cardinal. So here's the yeah. clap revision. You don't just have a scratch in the linoleum. You've got termites in the wood underneath. You don't have a brake pad in your car that's worn out. You're cracking the rotor. So no shots. You're not having a knee replacement tomorrow. Take it easy, everybody. There's a book I wrote with Lindy Huey called Heal Your Knees. It's all about the elegance of walking forwards and backwards in a pool half an hour, three days a week. The weightlessness of the water, the resistance on the muscle, the water touching your skin for proprioception. Do you have access to a pool? Yes. Belly button high water. Go to Target. Buy some pool shoes for $10. Walk forwards, backwards. Don't do it for an hour. Do it for a half an hour, three, four days a week. You will not be better in two weeks. I promise. It's 100 degrees every day. In a month, you will be a different person. I promise. Now, will you, will you avoid surgery? Most likely. But even if not, God forbid you and I have to talk surgery, you're only making yourself stronger so you recover quicker. But I'm very optimistic that if you alternate days, walk in the pool and ride a stationary bike, you give it enough time, there's no urgency for you to do surgery on this, you will beat the system. Uh, You have a better chance than not of doing that. There's still one more thing the MRI says. 
there is full thickness cartilage loss along the medial femoral right so you basically have that's just articulation that's arthritis so you're you're okay. so don't let anybody tell you, you have just a meniscus tear don't let anybody tell you you're going to arthroscope it and clean don't give me a new brake pad if the road is cracked don't give me new linoleum if the wood is rotten underneath that's what you're dealing with so you and I, you're not my first rodeo. This is how I want you to be treated. And if you want, what is it now? Almost August, August, September, August. You call my office if you want. I'm not here to solicit patients, but you win the prize. You can call my office. Arnie will answer the phone. Make an appointment for November. If, God forbid, you're still in pain in November, then you should come see me. But I would be optimistic if you do what I say. <laughs> And not do treadmill, lunges, squats, stair machine, weights. But you do the pool and the bike alternate days in a month or two. Oh, my God, Dr. Clapper, it doesn't hurt anymore like it did. Oh, my God, I can play tennis again. Oh, my God. But if it still bothers you, which I don't think it will, then you got an appointment to come see me in November. How's that? That sounds good. But the orthopedic doctor that I saw said something that bothered me that I wanted to ask you about. He said, I do not have bone on bone. The x-ray doesn't show bone on bone in that knee. And so he said, if I chose to have. No. Yeah, I don't even want to hear the rest of it because I'm going to tell you right now. No, he's wrong. You just read me an MRI that says you have no more cartilage, articular cartilage. How the hell can someone then say you're not bone on bone? Right? I mean. I don't know, but the x-ray pictures, he showed me the x-ray pictures. I don't care about that. The x-ray yeah. is a black and white TV what what color is Arnold Palmer's golf shirt? He's wearing pink. When color television came out, people bought color televisions because they wanted to see what Arnold Palmer was wearing, okay? And he wore pink shirts. How the hell? An x-ray is a black and white television. Can you tell me what color Arnold Palmer's shirt is with a black and white TV? No, you need a color television. That's the MRI, and that is a clapper vision. Does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. All I right, appreciate young lady. your time. God bless you. Listen, you okay. have good Thank instincts. You. you don't have to listen to anything everybody tells you. You're a smart person. If it don't make sense to you, I'm I'm making you an AAD, also a doctor. You're allowed. You're a smart woman. Don't let anybody, whether it's your gynecologist, your orthopedic surgeon, or your dentist, if it sounds, this is a little bit aggressive, you need to calm, pump the brakes. I trust you. And thanks so much, Nancy. Do what I say, okay, you'll get better. Thank you. All right, God bless. All right, Warriors, I went over the top. We'll take a break. Come back. I'm going to tell some stories about some of the greatest men. Happens to be men, but it'd be women as well in art and in sports who, like Dylan Hernandez, show us another side of life. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.